Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Well, the theme of my teaching this morning is that forgiveness releases love. But in light of the recent baseball events in Chicago, I'd have to say there may be some other things that release love. There's been a whole lot of love around Chicago overnight in these last hours, and it's wonderful. It's a great joy. It's my privilege to be here to open God's word with you and to bring greetings from your bishop and from your sending church, Church of the Resurrection, I and Trevor are dear friends and can never be replaced at Church of the Resurrection. So what a gift you have to have these pastors laying down their lives for you. And may your sacrifice bring great fruit for the kingdom. So glad to be here to bring the love of God to you through his word this morning. I want to start out with a little story about an Easter celebration that our family had about six or seven years ago. We were invited to go to the home of another family in our church and uh, because we love Easter and we love feasts, and so we wanted to go, and it was great. Our church is pretty casual typically, but on Easter, people dress up. And so I had my, what was then my little girl, uh, dressed to the nines with the fancy little shoes and the ruffled socks and the pink smocked dress with the little embroidered flowers and the hair bow, the whole thing. And um, we had a great meal together. The children went then to play outside, and the adults enjoyed our conversation until that moment came, which you will have had if you've ever been in charge of children, where you're thinking, this is nice, but it's been a while since we've heard from the kids. And if we had heard at that moment what was going on outside, we would have leapt from the couch and run outside. But we did not hear them singing, We are the Mud Sisters, Mud Sisters, Mud Sisters. We are the Mud Sisters, yes, are. Well, the girls had gone out to play on a lovely spring day, which in this area usually means rain, and combined with dirt means mud. So what started off as a simple stroll through a mud puddle turned into an outright mud bath. And I don't mean to see that these children jumped in mud puddles. They sat in mud puddles. They prostrated themselves in mud puddles. They smeared mud over every inch of their bodies. And the adult inside tea party was none the wiser until the back door opened and three brown apparitions of mud walked through the kitchen through the dining room, and into the living room. And behind the girls lay an entire path of mud on the floor. I wanted to wrap my child in a sheet, pick her up, walk out the door, and disappear. I was frozen in an awful realization that my child had not only completely destroyed her own clothes, but had led these other innocents (laughs) into sin (laughs) and squalor even bringing it in to the pristine home. Now, as much as the girls were holding their breath for our response, I was holding my breath for the response of the hostess. 
how is this going to go? What is she going to say? Is she going to explode? And if it were my floor, I would have been upset. Instead of seeing the children and the joy that they shared, I would have focused on the mud that had just marched through my Easter dinner. And then our hostess spoke with a smile and said, well, it looks like you girls had fun. Let's just turn around and walk back outside. We'll take these clothes off there. Finally, I could breathe again. In the midst of the filth and the disaster, we were accepted and loved, even forgiven. And mud has a way of working itself into our lives on a number of levels. We've all experienced that moment of panic when we realize we've made a mess of things. Will we get called out on it? Will people see it and reject us? Or what about when it's our kitchen floor, our dinner, our relationships that are impacted by the dirt that other people bring? We want so desperately to see and to relate to others in love, but we're terrible at it. We focus on the mud. We focus on the failures. We need to let go and to forgive, and we're rotten at it. In today's gospel, Jesus shows us forgiveness and love in the life of a sinful and marginalized woman. The story of this woman's encounter with Jesus is in our gospel today from Luke 7. We're introduced to this woman as Jesus describes as having many sins. This woman has made a mess of her life. She brings herself and her mud, her sins, right into an important dinner party. The host of the dinner is a Pharisee named Simon, and he's giving a special dinner for religious leaders. In verse 37, in walks a woman who has lived a sinful life in that town. The Pharisee probably knows her, knows her reputation. Her lifestyle is against everything that he thinks is decent. Simon watches her come in, and it's as if she leaves a trail of mud from the door into the dinner. I'm sure he had the same reaction that I would have had. You know, it's one thing to live a life of filth. It's another thing to bring it in here. And please don't touch the guests. And what does she do? She goes right to Jesus. She kneels down and begins to weep on his feet. Simon said to himself from verse 39, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Well, what do we know about this woman? We know she's a sinner. We don't know anything more about the circumstances of her life, but we know about sin. And we know the kinds of sin that are evident to everyone living in a town. She's likely living the consequences of sin in broken relationships, in shame, and rejection. Verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She heard Jesus was going to be at a dinner in the town, and she decided to go. And she brought a gift for Jesus, an alabaster jar of perfume. Why would she be compelled to do this? She must have encountered Jesus before this dinner. She must have seen the way he touched and healed the broken, those whose skin was rotten, whose eyes were dark, 
She must have seen the tenderness with which he touched the broken and the rejected. Perhaps he heard his loving words to those whose minds were confused and dark. So she was compelled to go to Jesus. She wanted to be near him, to give him something, some sign of her love for him. I imagine that she thought she would find Jesus, not interrupt the conversation, just quietly go and pour on the oil. And then when she knelt there, and when she heard his voice and touched him, the sorrow over her sin and her broken relationships and her isolation met the love of Jesus. She couldn't hold it together anymore. An intense combination of joy and sorrow poured out. Have you ever experienced this kind of moment where a grief or a vulnerable place in your own heart meets with the love of another person? Um, I can remember um, on the day that my husband died, um, it was obviously a tragic and grief-filled day, but I remember the moment that my mom walked in. And I knew that she knew what I was facing and that she loved me so much and she was filled with sorrow at what was unfolding. And so just like now, it's like it all just comes out. <laughs> it just, you can't hold it together anymore when a vulnerable place in your own heart is seen and loved so deeply. And I think that's what happens for this woman as she's kneeling there by Jesus she knows that he fully sees her and that he fully loves her. And she doesn't hold it in anymore. It's like the fortress just crumbles and she begins to weep. And how does Jesus respond to this intense moment? Does he cover up this very uncomfortable situation <clears throat> that she has brought to this dinner? No, what he does is he helps us understand what's really going on. In verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Well, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So this woman's actions can be seen in light of the burden of debt being lifted. She has been under a tremendous burden, and the burden is lifted. She's been forgiven, and forgiveness releases love. Jesus then compares her love to the Pharisees' lack of love. Verse 44, then he turned towards Simon and said, Do you see this woman? Now, of course, he'd seen the woman, right? I mean, he walked, she walked right into his dinner party. He's saying, do you see this woman? Can you perceive what is happening for this woman? I came into your house, and you didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has 
poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Her great love. Her tender actions reveal that forgiveness has opened her heart to love. Forgiveness releases love. When we are forgiven, it opens our heart to love. But when we focus on the mud and the sin of the person in front of us, we miss out on love. Are there people in your life that you would like to love but find that you're not able to love? It's as if a door has shut between the two of you. Is there someone that when you think of them, what comes to mind right away are all the really irritating things about them? Well, there may be a need for forgiveness between the two of you so that love can be restored. But others of you, you may think, uh, for me, it's not about a door closing or irritating behaviors. The mud that's been smeared over me feels like it can never be washed off. What about sin done against us that has altered the landscape of our lives forever? Sin done against us as children, deep violations of our personal boundaries, or betrayals of trust by people that we counted as friends. Is forgiveness the way to love in these situations? Yes. Profound debts require a profound payment. Complete restoration of your life comes only from the profound gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross to draw you into his embrace and to apply his love to those deepest deepest places of your heart. While it sounds simple, the process of getting there can be anything but simple. So I'd like to say a few things about living a lifestyle of forgiveness, the type of forgiveness that every Christian is called to. But first, I want to say a few things about forgiveness related to those life-altering kinds of sin. And there's, there's no way that I could possibly cover the path of forgiveness for something like that in a brief talk like this, but I don't want to neglect it. So I just want to say a few things. If you're facing this type of journey and dealing with sin, you need to know that God will deal gently with you just as he did with that woman in the gospel. His deep desire is to heal you and to bless you with greater love. One thing to keep in mind is that forgiveness does not equal condoning. Forgiveness is not saying, it doesn't matter, it's behind me. Sin is sin. It's devastating and time does not erase it. When we forgive someone for hurting us, we're not saying, what you did was okay, I'm over it. No, the reality is that you are releasing them from their debt to you, and it's a real debt. In walking toward freedom in these deep areas, seek the help of these trusted Christian friends, your small group, a prayer minister, a pastor, And a Christian therapist can be extremely helpful when you find yourself maybe getting stuck in those areas and you need a deep investment of time and attention. I would strongly recommend seeking out something like that. 
So that's all I'm really going to say about those deeper things. And I know there's a lot more to be said and a lot um, that could be said there. But now I want to shift gears and talk about what might it look like to cultivate a lifestyle of forgiveness. These things that we're just called to as a church and because we love Jesus and because we are forgiven. And that, that will release a, a tremendous amount of love right here in your, in your community. What might that look like? I'd like to make three suggestions about that. The first one is to enter into the prayers of the church. The second is to go directly to people when they hurt you. And the third is not to talk about the faults of one person with another. So the first one, entering into the prayers of the church with an open heart and expect to change. Well, as Anglicans, our worship is rich with opportunities to forgive. Our church is built around the knowledge that we're all sinners and we all need to be forgiven. In fact, week after week, the celebrant opens our worship with this prayer. To you, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you, no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. So when we hear those words, we can begin to open our hearts day after day, week after week, to the reality that we need to be forgiven and forgive. And if, if that didn't quite get it, we have two others, the formal confession, and then the Lord's Prayer also contains a confession. So right there, built into the structure of our worship, are opportunities for confession. The second lifestyle habit we can practice in forgiveness is to go to, directly to a person who offends you. Jesus teaches this in Matthew 18 when he says, if your brother or sister sins, go directly to them and point it out, just between the two of you. This sounds obvious and simple, but it's actually difficult and it takes a lot of courage. If I could count the number of times that I've had to go to my family and to my friends and ask forgiveness, it's a good thing I can't count that because that would be staggering. So here's a very simple phrase that you can use to get this process started. My kids suggested that I share it with you since we use it so often at home. It's very simple. It goes like this. I felt blank when you blank. So just from our own week, I'll give you a sample. I felt afraid when you went so fast on your bike. I felt angry when you woke me up before my alarm. So oh, we're just giving opportunity to put out there our response to life, and then the other person has a chance to respond and to say, please forgive me, and you can be restored. I think my most frequent prayer as a parent is, Lord, keep my children's heart soft to forgiving, because it's needed a lot. Third, and finally, don't talk with others about the faults of someone else. Just as the Pharisee in the gospel, we often see the sin of others more easily than we see our own. We can be tempted to think about the faults of another person, even dwelling on them or rehearsing them in our minds, building a case against them. And here we're often tempted to share our insights about, with other people about this person. So if we can agree together as a church that when I start to say to you, well, he's this and she's done that, that you will just stop me and say, I will listen to what you have to say if it will help you clarify your thoughts so that you can go directly to him. That we'll take whatever the offense is and we'll go directly to the person. 
Well, this kind of relating gives people dignity, and it honors the people that we love. When we handle the rough places in one another with tenderness, we're treating people the way Jesus does. Jesus' forgiveness of me releases me to forgive you. Jesus' love comes first. The thesis of this homily is forgiveness releases love, but a better title would be love releases forgiveness, releases love. It's the love of Jesus that comes first, that allows us to even begin the process of forgiving another. I'd love to pray with you now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how you long to bring us into your life and love, and you've made a way through the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that there is a way for us to life and to freedom. And I want to ask, Lord, for any folks here today for whom, as your word was being read and spoken, a particular um, relationship came to mind, a particular circumstance came to mind. And I ask, Lord, that you would take um, your precious ones by the hand and guide them first into your presence to fully confess their own sin and then open doors and pour out your grace and make a way for reconciliation between people. We do ask, Lord, that as we enter into your forgiveness, we would more easily forgive others and that a great gift of love would be released here at City of Light, that truly people would know that this church is your church because of its love. Pour out your love into our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. Remove every barrier that would stand in the way of forgiveness. Remove every lie, every way that the enemy says that can never happen. In the name of Jesus, we believe that as we come to you, we can be set free to new life in you. But release your love and joy now as we celebrate and remember your great love for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.